0: Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok.
1: Good morning. I add my welcome to Pastor Ray's. I'm Reverend Dr. Michelle Morris, and I'm the lead pastor here at First United Methodist Church in Bentonville. It is a joy to welcome you in worship with us today. We are starting the season of Lent, which is a season of fasting and reflection, of taking on new disciplines. And so, in this season, we're going to be focusing on the theme of foolish love. Now, that comes from the fact that Lent started on Ash Wednesday, which was also Valentine's Day, and it ends the day before April Fool's Day. So it seems as though our calendar is inviting us into this reflection. And uh, with that, though, I want us to think about our discipline this Lenten season being the discipline of love. And so each week we will be looking at a different aspect of what it means to love in the foolish ways that Christ calls us to love. So to frame that up for us today, when we are looking at foolish love forgives, we're gonna hear two passages from Matthew. The first one here from Matthew chapter five. You have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder. And all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant didn't have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold along with his wife and children and everything he had and that the proceeds should be used as payment. But the servant fell down, kneeled before him and said, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him and forgave the loan. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 coins. He grabbed him around the throat and said, pay me back what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he threw him into prison until he paid back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply offended. They came and told their master all that happened. His master called the first servant and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. Because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guard responsible for punishing prisoners until he had paid the whole debt. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Routines are things that often we quit paying attention to after a while. That's part of the point of a routine, right? You don't even have to think about it. You just do it. It's so rote, it's so ingrained in who you are that you don't even put that much thought into it. I am getting back into a routine that I used to have. I've started going to Zumba classes over at the at the community center. I missed Zumba. I had a routine of going to Zumba when I was in Texas and I loved it. I was the only person in the class who was an English speaker, everyone else spoke Spanish, but you didn't have to speak the same language to move. It was great. However, one day the song came on that was very much part of our routine that we all did all the time. And just went through the motions and did the routine. And all of a sudden, the room broke up in in revolution. Like they just stopped and started shouting and yelling. And I didn't know what was going on because I don't know Spanish well enough. And so I'm just confused by this moment. But then as I'm listening really intently, I realize that they're objecting to the song Whose lyrics main chorus was "lavaca moo," which is the cow moo, and I gathered that the song was calling us all cows, and the ladies were objecting to this, and so eventually I objected too. Once I caught up with the revolution, but um, but anyway, we it, it had been something that was so routine to us we hadn't even really noticed what was being said. And then when we stopped and took notice, we had, we had to object. And so we never did that song again. It reminded me of the time as a kid when I finally listened to the words of Rockabye Baby. Rockabye Baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bough breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby cradle and all how is that a lullaby what kind of sleep are we trying to give our kids worry about if you're gonna fall out of a tree kid you know i mean but it, but it was so natural to my childhood it was something that was saying over and over and over i didn't even really think about it that was the reason for disrupting communion in here and having us do the wesley covenant prayer in part it was to give us a new routine a new set of words for us to remember that shapes us But it should also help us to remember what's powerful about the Lord's prayer. And maybe as we return to it today and pray it today, maybe we'll pay attention to what we're actually praying. I want to draw our attention to some of that prayer that we pray and I don't think we think about what we're saying. And that is, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do we know what we're saying? That as there means just like. Forgive us our trespasses just like we forgive those who trespass against us. That's great if you've forgiven everyone in your life. But if not, do you realize that we pray for God to treat us just like we treat them? We pray this parable of the unforgiving servant every time we lift up the Lord's prayer. And we stand potentially in the place of the unforgiving servant that if we cannot forgive, can we receive God's forgiveness? It puts an urgency on forgiveness. We gotta square up. We gotta get ourselves right with others before we come to this altar and bring the same treatment down on ourselves. Now I recognize that forgiveness can be tremendously difficult there can be a lot of hurt and pain surrounding places that I mean it's kind of at the base of what is required of forgiveness is facing that hurt and pain if you're following along in the videos that go along with this series you know Pastor Ray mentions that you you only are called to forgive that which is unforgivable if it's forgivable it's easy if it's unforgivable that's when forgiveness is required. And I know it's hard. And so I wanna give us a formula for how to approach forgiveness. I looked up the words in Greek and Hebrew for forgiveness, and I thought it was gonna be two words, one Hebrew word, one Greek word. I was wrong. It was a sea of words. <laughs> there were so many words that I thought, oh, there's C, this is the reality of forgiveness. It involves so many different aspects of what we have to do. But there were three that I focused in on and I thought these are a good pattern for us to understand what it takes for forgiveness. So one of them is the word that basically means loosen up. And what it's calling us to is to recognize that our way of doing things is a good way, but so are the ways that other people do things. Our way of understanding things can be really a good way of understanding things. So can someone else's way of understanding things be a good thing. The reason why when I have couples come to me who are going to get married, I give them a quiz that they have to take and they take it separately so I can compare their answers. And the last question is, who is responsible for doing the dishes in your house? And I ask that because a lot of times it reveals some undercurrent of of anger around dishes. Like, well, he does the dishes but he doesn't load the dishwasher correctly. (laughs) Well, she does the dishes, but she doesn't unload the dishwasher fast enough for me, right? There are expectations that we have, and a lot of times it's the little things that really hang up with us, and they snowball into bigger and bigger and bigger things, when in reality what it is is people doing things or understanding things in a different way. That's not bad or good. It's just different. And so what we're called to do in forgiveness is make space for that difference. To allow for that difference. The next thing is the word that means lift up. Lift the person you need to forgive up in prayer. Now, when I say that, I do not mean the Southern, I'm gonna pray for you. Right? Although you may start there. I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) But what I mean is gradually making space in your prayers to seek good for that person. To lift them up to God out of a deep place in your heart. Now, I want to stop right in this moment and talk about this process of forgiveness. Forgiveness. I think it's important here. It's important because this um, forgive them 77 times is sometimes used in a weaponizing way. So forgiveness is really truly about your heart being put right and being able to take that to God. Sometimes that means you go to the person and have a conversation And offer that forgiveness. You cannot control their response. But you can offer that forgiveness. Sometimes that's what's involved in forgiveness. Sometimes however. The person that you are seeking forgiveness around. Has abused you. Sometimes that person is not safe. For you to be around. You are not called to put yourself in danger. For forgiveness. And I affirm that by what also happens in the Lord's prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If that person might be tempted to continue to hurt you, don't create that space of temptation and get out of that place of evil. You do not have to go every time before the person that you need to forgive. Sometimes it's between you and your heart and you and God. And that is the holy space. Don't listen. I've heard too many pastors say, you got to forgive your abuser and you got to go back to him. No, no, you do not. You do not. Now, the last of the three that I think is a good formula for forgiveness is let it go. And it's not just a song from Frozen, right? Letting go is a choice that you make. Faith is a choice you make. Forgiveness is a choice you make. It's a choice to let go of that hate, of that anger, of that anxiety. And again, I acknowledge that this is not something you can just flip a switch and it's done. Sometimes it takes therapy. Sometimes it takes deep study. Sometimes it takes going to your friends and and walking through all of this and getting to a place of forgiveness. It can be a journey. That is fine. Just go on the journey. Whatever it takes to get there. And and do pay attention to Jesus' instruction. May forgiveness be from your heart. From the depth of your heart. When I was preparing for this sermon, I came across an article done by researchers at Johns Hopkins. And they are actually studying forgiveness. From a medical perspective. And this is how they defined forgiveness. A conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not. It's your choice of letting go. Your choice to set your heart free from that burden. And what happens when you set your heart free from that burden? Well, Johns Hopkins has found a lot of things happen as a result of that. It lowers your risk of heart attack It improves your cholesterol levels to forgive. You get better sleep. You reduce your pain. You lower your blood pressure. You reduce anxiety and depression and stress. It's almost as if we are hardwired to forgive. It's almost as if the creator of all things made us to be a people who in forgiveness would find healing. And wholeness and peace shalom so when we are invited instructed to seek forgiveness before you come to the altar let us remember that once we have done that work and we do come to the altar we think we are bringing a gift to God but what we are actually receiving is a gift from God there's a reason that the unforgiving servant finds himself in a prison. That's what unforgiveness is. It's a prison. God is here to give you freedom from that prison. God is here to restore you, heart, mind, body, and soul in that forgiveness. Receive the gift that God is giving you. Lent is a season in which we disrupt our routines. We give something up, we take something on. It's a season that calls us to pay attention. So as we are paying attention, as we are giving up in this season, maybe what we need to give up is anger. Maybe what we need to give up are our grudges. Maybe we need to give up hate. And when we do, be given the gift of love.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at FUMC Bentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all because we believe the communion table is God's table everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.